0: Everybody ready? Let's get rolling.
1: This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
2: Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Craig Bowlerjack coming up here momentarily. Uh, But, Gordon, we have some programming news Um, At 530, where we normally do drop of the day, we'll have to push the Carmelone tag stuff to another time because due to some crack producing, Austin Horton just confirmed at 530, we're going to interview the guy that delivered the pizza to Michael Jordan.
0: Yes, I am looking forward to this uh, and we'll see what he has to say. But I think he wants to set the, the whole story straight.
2: And uh, it's interesting how the ball got rolling on this today, but uh, it did. And now we're going to talk to the guy at uh, at five thirty. Um, yeah, I, I'm really excited to get to that side of the story.
0: Well, uh, we need we definitely need more information than what uh, what we saw last night. I thought what Chris Mannix said really <laughs> made me laugh. That uh, uh, the whole scenario seems like it's something out of a bad comedy, you know. But uh, now we'll hear uh, this version of the truth. So don't want to miss this. This is a talker. This is something that you can sit down when you eat tonight with your loved ones. If you're able to do that, you've got a story to tell. You want to hear what the uh, pizza delivery person has to say. About what really took place.
2: What, what, I'm, I'm, I'm tweeting out a, a, um, uh, a tweet to bring publicity. What, what can we call this? Poison gate? <laughs> Hashtag
0: poison pizza? Poison pizza? Yeah. Gate?
2: That. All right. Well, anyway, sending that out. So at 5 30, we get to the bottom of it. We've tracked down the uh, pizza delivery man. That uh, uh, delivered Michael Jordan's pizza before game five of the 1997 uh, NBA championship NBA final, excuse me
0: and we'll let you know whether you know we had a whole entourage with him or not. Uh, we'll maybe find out what kind of pizza it was that Jordan prefers, and maybe we'll find out just the right amount of poison to put on that pizza <laughs> so the your, your victim breaks out in a sweat. But uh, doesn't suffer any lasting harm, uh, just enough to make him look like a hero in his effort on the floor.
2: Okay. We get to the bottom of it at 530. Um, I'm... Actually, really, really excited to get that side of the story. All right, let's uh, let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Sprint—they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now, the television voice of the Utah Jazz, the one and only Craig Bowler. Jack, hello, Bowler. Gentlemen, I'll take uh, pepperoni, extra cheese, and big crust. (laughs) We're going to find out next, Bowler. We're going to find out at 5:30.
1: Did you get my order? I wasn't sure. Did you get it?
2: We got you. We got you. You You know what? uh, Here's what I'm so
1: intrigued about is, you know, last night, Urban Legend is amazing of this series because there were so many side stories. You guys both agree, I know. Uh, But this one is so intriguing because I hope he can answer the time, the actual time this happened. I believe it was quoted last night around, what, 2 a.m.? that he just was hungry, got the munchies. Does that mean that he got back from Vegas and had that, what we all know as the munchies mm-hmm. and the pizza then was delivered in the wee hours of the morning, the only place, by the way, that was opened allegedly in Salt Lake city. But, you know, I've heard from other people that, you know, again, the urban legend runs deep that it was a, a, a Learjet jet trip down to Vegas and back and then the pizza now comes into play. And, of course, there's those who uh, were seen on television last night who made that. They didn't mention anything about Vegas, but also the fact it was very late in the morning that MJ just had to have pizza. It's intriguing. We'll see what he says. I'll be I'll be tuning in for sure.
0: Hmm. Well, uh <laughs> on a scale from zero to 10, where do you put the reliability of what we heard last night? You know, it's
1: all playing into mostly Michael's favor. Um, you know, I, I said I saw all 10 hours. Uh, I, I took notes and I tried to be fair. But, you know, I found out what I kind of thought I knew. And again, it kind of goes back to when I went back with Sloan and Stockton and, and, and Jordan's induction ceremony. And I was just stunned to hear the less than thank yous of to the people who got him to the plat, you know, to, to the stage, and the greatness obviously that he accomplished, but you know, a, a tough teammate. One would say if you're a Jordan fan that he would motivate you to be only better, but also belittled many. And also, I found that he would find like what I think Westbrook does this as well, but obviously Westbrook isn't on the level of what Michael Jordan. Was, but he had to find something to anger him twenty four seven to motivate him in, in, in constant motion. Right, I mean that was really obvious. Whether it was a an opponent, a coach, a, a general manager, uh, whether it was a pizza delivery guy, I mean I, it, it didn't matter. He just found things to anger him to prove people wrong, and I also found out you know, more than I thought, that he wanted to own you. When Will produced it, what are you doing up here playing dollar blackjack? Because I want to own your money. I want to own you. I thought, wow, that's really revealing. Uh, And I guess that's how one individual became great, the greatest. You can argue that all you want.
0: I wonder if he was always that way, Bowler, or if he became more that way once he established yeah. himself as the best. You know, Gordo and Jake, when you look back at the
1: first hour and see this pretty humble kid, right, from North Carolina, uh, I don't know. That's really a great question. The the pressure that was put on him to be the the guy to change the Chicago Bulls franchise had to be immense. And remember, this is all before social media. Uh, you know, he and they made a point of that last night. This is all before... People could write about him except in the newspaper and see the highlights. I think when I was working at KSL, anytime the Bulls played, it was like they played no one. It was all just Jordan highlights with spectacular dunks and the high-flying buckets at the rim. By the way, uh, the Bulls won tonight, or the Bulls lost, but Jordan had 42. I mean, that was kind of the, the whole thing Sports Center was built upon, in my opinion. And Ahmad Rashad, uh, you know, I've met him several times, interviewed him during the 97 and 98 finals. But as you saw, he was Mike's guy in the media. And, uh, you know, that crosses the line for me. Um, But, again, he had the insight for NBC and really, uh, you know, had a direct channel, guys, to what who MJ wanted how he viewed things, and there were a lot of people around him within that uh, Bulls locker room. You know, He had kind of his own little private office from what I could see where he would uh, meditate and discuss things with people that he trusted. But it was a very, very small inner circle um, by all means. And I think players probably had difficulties with him, and he called them out. And either you were able – if you were strong enough to handle it, you stayed. If not, you moved on. But I thought it was um, interesting. It did hurt last night to review and relive some of those uh, games that were really hard-fought, guys. I mean, the Jazz were in all of those except the one uh, when they got, what, scored all of 54. But then Malone came back and had a monster game to push it back to Salt Lake City for Game 6. But intriguing 10 hours of one individual and uh, an interesting journey, to say the least.
2: What do you think about how the Jazz were portrayed through it all? You know, I
1: thought it would be a little bit more detailed. Guys, what did you think? I mean, there was no Malone except him walking on the bus at the end and congratulating Jordan, which I have never seen that video by the way. I don't know who shot it. It must have been the last dance crew for all I know. Uh, But we weren't uh, at that time had any idea what Carl was doing. Uh, But I thought that was pure class on his part. Had to hurt like hell. But Um, It was it showed, you know, I think the respect, but also the class that Carl had for the game. Stockton interview didn't go as deep as I thought it could have. And I'm sure there was a lot of stuff left on the cutting room floor. And I would have loved to have seen B. Russ interviewed about the uh, the push off. Look, you can look at it all the way. Costas disagreed that he was already on his way down. The momentum shift. But, you know, there was a hand on the on the hip that helped uh, Russell to the floor, and space was created. So you, you can call it any way you like. That's going to be argued for eons, whether or not there was a push-off or not. Um, but I thought, you know, there would be more Sloan. I was glad to see Jerry speak, um, as we all remember him. I thought the, co- the comedic moment was when he said, is that really the, the, the final box score? Is this the final score? <laughs> you know, but that was so typical Sloan, right? Uh, he knew it was what the final score was, but it was a way for him to kind of maybe take the heat off his players and kind of make it a little bit more uh, at ease, but those are the videos that I love seeing as Jerry, uh, as the head coach of the Jazz, and uh, I didn't think they gave the Jazz enough. I I didn't hear enough sound, a a lot of emotions of the the entire series, which were two of the highest rated NBA Finals of all time, and um, but again, it was Jordan show, right? So I guess I shouldn't have expected much more.
0: As I uh, as they were reviewing that series, Bowler, I, you and I were at every one of those games, and uh, here and in Chicago, and it really brought back. It was. It's almost surreal, isn't it? Uh, it is living it the way we did. And as I was uh, watching that, the games, like you mentioned, were all close except for the blowout, which was the worst. Jazz game I think I've ever seen. But all the others were within a handful of points. Yeah, all, the others were in, yeah. All, yeah, all of them were in the 80s, which makes the, the, the superstar scoring total that much more impressive, uh, Jordan getting more than half of his team's points in that game six. But I think the difference in the game was leadership, uh, it was the confidence of the leader, a Jordan Outperformed Malone and Stockton down the stretch, because when you're if you're that close to the opponent, you're good enough to beat them if you come through when you have to. And Jordan did, and the jazz didn't. Uh, that stood out rather profoundly to me. You know, that's an interesting
1: comment, Gordo, because also and Jake, what this video crew was able to get, and remember these archives have been sitting around uh, Bristol, Connecticut for what, twenty plus years and they finally get the permission to bring him out. But, you know, you could see and what Steve Kerr said on that game-winning shot that he hit because he told him, look, they've run this play a thousand times. They're going to come over and double me, and I'm going to kick it to you, and Kerr hits it, which was a gutty shot, by the way. I mean, it could have easily been missed. But those moments that he could trust teammates, and there were just a handful that he really, I think, could – and he praised Steve Kerr quite a bit from that point on, but also when he stole the ball from Carl, you made it, he made it very clear that Malone just forgot about him, right? And the technical part of, of Jordan's game fascinated me. He knew every tendency of every opponent, and I, he would battle and attack your weakness. And on that steal that he got from Carl, I think it was well-documented and said by him on what he expected and knew Carl was going to do. And what did he do? Poked it away. And it's just those one or two moments in a game, as we all know, that changes the entire focus and course of the outcome. And Jordan, strangely, was involved in every one. And I don't know if that's the greatness, the intelligence, the way he studied his opponent. Uh, The motivation, um, the love and hate relationships, but, man, it it, it still did tell me, in my opinion, that the guy, first, is an assassin. He takes no prisoners, but also he studies his victim, and he does it very well.
2: Craig Bullerjack is with us, 97.5 and 12.80, the zone. Switching gears a little bit, Bowler, to the big jazz news today. A couple of pieces of jazz news, actually, but let's start with uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. He's going to have uh, season-ending surgery on his right wrist, so whatever the conclusion to the NBA season looks like, uh, Boyan, not going to be a part of it.
1: Yeah, we were on a Zoom call earlier, and I do appreciate the jazz in, including us into, into this information because it kind of gave us some insight. Uh, he'll be uh, have the the, the uh, wrist repaired tomorrow in New York, and you know this is something that kind of went under the radar. I mean, we we kind of knew Boyan was uh, hurt earlier in the season. We remember the ankle in the home opener, right? That he sent out the Laker game, and he wasn't ha- wasn't happy. I want Jazz fans to know something. This guy is tough. This guy played through a lot of pain throughout the entire season until, obviously, Oklahoma City on on March 11th. But uh, it was something that it hampered him. But you know what's incredible? He still shot over, what, nearly 42% from downtown, even with a bad bad right hand, a bad wrist. So, you know, we all wish him well. And if Utah does actually play or the NBA gets back to play uh, and the Jazz would be a four seed, Uh, then Bogey would not be there. But the beautiful thing is, once they resume play, hopefully by the end of the year, he's had enough rehab time and he'll be ready to go uh, for a new season in 21 um, or 2021. But, uh, yeah, I've learned a lot about Bogdanovich. Uh, He's a tough guy, and he doesn't let on much about pain, and I I respect him for that. Uh, And he's probably, I'm guessing, because of the situation in New York you know, they, they shut down any type of elective surgery for such a long time because hospital beds were in need, and now they've got an opportunity to get this thing fixed.
0: Uh, is, that, is that why the timing of the uh, surgery is happening now, uh, because of that, or is it something that could have been taken care of earlier?
1: You know, Gordo, they didn't, the, the Jazz didn't really focus on that. That's totally my guess, but, you know, elective surgery around the country has kind of been put on hold. Uh, up until, you know, the COVID-19 has been kind of at least handled in most cases. New York, as you know, I mean, was hit so, so hard. Uh, So, uh, yeah, the procedure is in New York City, so they must have given him a green light. That's just me talking. Uh, But, uh, you know, the the right doctor who's going to do it uh, will will perform the surgery and they'll give us an update on his uh, progress tomorrow. I don't think there's really any timetable on his return. Which is pretty much protocol for the Jazz. Uh, let him heal, let him mend, and then let him rehab, and then hopefully you'll just be uh, as you know good as new without pain, and uh, gets back on the floor when we start up uh, a new season. But when is that going to be? We don't know. Uh, so he's got time, obviously, to do some uh, you know some rehab and uh, and to to heal up the way that I'm sure he wants to be. And then of course the other news is Walt Perrin uh, reportedly you know, is uh, behead- heading to New York. And I love Walt. I mean, he's been such an impact on this franchise for such a long time. He's got a great eye. He's found some terrific players uh, in his tenure with the Jazz, and uh, we're going to miss him for sure.
2: Craig Bullerjack is with us here on 97.5 and uh, 1280 The Zone. Uh, you, we saw some news. Tony Jones reported it, that the Jazz are not going to replace Walt with one particular person, but they're going to have uh, multiple in-house people replace the production uh, or replace what he was doing. But, can you know, knowing Walt and watching him for years, can you talk about what just a big job that really is?
1: Oh, huge undertaking. Travels the world. Uh, I mean, he's eyeballing every talent that you can imagine that that exists. And that's his job is to turn over the proverbial stone, you know, to find the talent that would fit this system. And, you know, Walt was a guy that would always come by, shoot around or practice and just as friendly as could be, always had something positive to say. I think he really had a great relationship with those players that he found and brought in. He worked out. You know, the Jazz probably work out more players than most teams in the NBA, at least under Quinn's watch and Dennis and Quinn combined, and now Justin Zanuck and David Morey. Uh, but uh, the Jazz almost, you would think, overdo it, but you can never blame them for not being prepared because they have multiple players that they think they can develop uh, or they're going to keep in mind down the road on who may be able to help this franchise, even if they go overseas and mature a couple of years, they still have a you know they keep track of what they do. And Wall was a big part of all they did. I mean, Dave Fredman's been with the Jazz since New Orleans, and wall Parent. Those guys are synonymous on just uh, eyeballing great talent, young talent, maybe underdeveloped talent, and hoping that they would that the Jazz could develop them, which is what they do and take a lot of pride in too, guys, as you know.
0: One thing's for sure, uh, Bullard, I said this to Jake earlier. Walt will never have to pay for another flight for the rest of his life, I don't think. He's probably got frequent flyer miles stacked up by miles.
1: You know what? He could probably pilot the plane if he wants to. He's been on it so much. Maybe he's been sitting in the jump seat. I don't know. No, Walt's put in – I mean, I can't even imagine, guys, the miles that he has flown this world. He's probably – travel this thing you know into the 30 or 40 times around uh the globe but he's been everywhere you know to see players and you know it's always that ability can you find that guy that nobody else knows and i think new york is going to be it's going to be a tough road for him in new york but i think they're in good hands in the rebuild because that thing has been a disaster as we know for years and years and years and maybe this is the time that uh you know, the Knicks can find their way back. Some say no with Dolan, but, you know, if he stays out of it, Walt and the rest and the the, the new way they're thinking there, maybe New York puts themselves back on the map. But, you know, I wish him well. He's a class guy and uh, flew with him a few times on flights. Uh, I've just never seen a, a more personable individual, and uh, it's, it's a big loss for Utah.
2: Bowler, thank you for jumping on, as always. And uh, I'm sure you're going to tune in uh, and yeah, find pizza out, man. get to the bottom is of the he, pizza gate. Is he
1: going to identify himself, Jake, or is this kind of anonymous?
0: I I think he is. Uh, we'll yeah, we'll I find think out. That was the That was the impression we got, that he... Was going to give up all the goods. And Boulder here probably explained exactly what kind of pizza it was. You were wondering whether it was the pepperoni with extra
1: cheese. Maybe it was a bad sausage. Maybe it was a bad mushroom. I mean, maybe the cheese had been sitting out for a while. Ask him, though, if he had any indication that they had just gotten back from some sort of a, a trip. And, 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 and just to see if he had any inkling this was like we just got back and we got the munchies. I'm just, I'm going to tune in here in six minutes and I'm anxious to hear, 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 hear his whole story. Also, did you not hear last night that allegedly five or six individuals traveled or made the trek to the room with him? I wonder if that's true or not.
0: We'll get to the bottom that, of it coming up next. That, that just seems highly unlikely I, but we I will find been. out.
2: Yeah, that'll be interesting. Okay,
0: guys, say thanks. See you soon.
2: Thanks, Bowler. Craig Bowlerjack, television voice of the Utah Jazz. That's right. Coming up next, we will talk to the person who delivered the pizza to Michael Jordan before Game 5 of the NBA Finals in 1997. We get all the answers next, Gordon.
0: I'm all ears, man. I can't wait.
2: Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.